Welcome back to another episode of the Pixelated Podcast brought to you by GeekLegacy.com. Justin and I are here to talk about all of the most exciting news, announcements, and updates in the world of video games. Justin, how are we feeling today? I am fabulous, Stephen. How are you? I am great. We have actually um, kind of two new console announcements to talk about on today's show. Kind of a new thing for us. So let's just jump right into it and start with the new Nintendo Switch OLED edition or OLED if you want to be, you know, super hip and fancy about it. But this updated version of the Nintendo Switch will be available on October 8th for $350 MSRP USD. I don't know what that translates into loonies or ruples, but you can figure that out on your own. The biggest upgrade of the new console is the seven inch OLED screen, a wide adjustable stand so you can play it pretty much in tabletop mode. 64 gigabytes of internal memory, a LAN port into the dock so you can plug directly into it and not just rely on the Wi-Fi's and enhanced audio coming from the device. This will play and operate all Nintendo Switch games without any issue, minus some of the Labo accessories uh, where the console might not be able to fit in that $80 cardboard box that you bought to put your console (laughs) in. So I guess... Sucks to be that uh, worth noting that based on the images that we have seen, the only way to determine that you're going to get a new OLED version is a little tiny little blurb of text at the very bottom of the box that says OLED. So come October, if you're in the stores and you're looking for the new console, make sure you're looking for that. Uh, we also have a new color, the all white version of the Nintendo Switch looks quite nice. The ice white, if you would. And then we also saw the traditional red and blue back again. So uh, we were hoping for a more powerful version of the switch. We were hoping for something a little more jazzier, but here we get a bigger screen, slightly higher price points and. You know, dedicated Internet onto your dock. Do you think it's worth the three fifty? I don't know. I don't think it's for me. I mean, the whole point of having it's interesting that it has this. you know, land port on the dock because the idea of having this beautiful screen is so that you play handheld mm-hmm. or oh, whatever. It's, it's a cute feature. I, I wish mine had that feature and it doesn't. So what can you do? Um, but I mean, I think it's cool. I had a Vita and the screen was absolutely gorgeous. So um, I, I think that those of you that want to to have a prettier screen, then uh, this is for you. Or if you're just someone that likes to collect all of Nintendo's devices, then go for it. I think I'll probably sit this one out, but uh, that is just me. I do like that it has a bigger internal storage memory, though. I still rock the 32 that came with mine and never bought a bigger storage (laughs) card. Um, But most of my Switch games are physical copies only because they are just little, you know, SD cards. So it's pretty easy to just insert in or whatever. But um, I think the only digital games that I have are a couple of Final Fantasy eShop games and then um, Animal Crossing. All the rest of mine are uh, physical copies. So, but the nice yeah. storage is the extra storage is nice. The extra storage is great. I'm seeing some outlets report that it does have a slightly better battery, uh, which is the biggest thing for me because I play my Switch probably 80 to 90% of the time in handheld mode, uh, not even anywhere near the dock. So right now I can probably get about two, two and a half hours of decent game time, which isn't bad, but obviously we would like that to be better. Uh, Certainly beats the eight double A batteries of the old Game Boy era, just so we can play 45 minutes of Tetris. So, you know, not worth complaining too much, but 
I think that was the biggest thing that people were looking for was a bigger battery and potentially even a 4K screen here. Uh, we're still getting the normal 1080p. Obviously, things are going to look a little bit brighter, more crisp, just because the screen technology is better. But uh, I guess the question to you is, do you feel like this was the right call? Do you feel like this is a... I mean, you put it perfectly. Some people are going to be really interested in it and you'll probably skip it. I'm in the same boat. Do you feel like most people are just going to wait for the OLED Model 2 or the Super Nintendo Switch that everyone is hoping gets <laughs> named and announced? Right. I mean, it's it's tough because like we're already this. The Switch came out when? 2017? March of 2017? Mm-hmm. So we're already four years into this cycle and it's still the same stuff. But Nintendo's just such a weird company uh, weird is probably the wrong word they're unique they they play by their own rules so um i don't know if if maybe this is sort of uh almost like a like a test to where uh they'll make this one and if based on how well it sells then maybe they'll include an, an oled screen in their in their new version that's going to come out and let's say well it was for funsies say like in two years in 2023 there'll be a brand new so switch to switch U, as it were and Nintendo um, Boogaloo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and maybe all of those will come with with an OLED screen. So maybe it's just kind of like testing the waters and eventually there'll be that Switch Pro or Switch 2, Switch U, whatever you want to call it. And it'll just be better hardware all around. But uh, yeah, I'm totally cool waiting. I, I don't need this. I think it's neat. And I know the screen will be gorgeous, but I play my Switch for Mario games. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a Pokemon one every now and again, but mine is mainly a a Zelda and Mario machine, <laughs> and I don't need it to be able to run anything else. Any other multi-platform game, I'm going to be playing either on Xbox, on PlayStation, or PC. So I personally don't need uh, a, a better, stronger Switch uh, until it is required to play whatever new zelda game comes out or new mario game yeah and those particular franchises always have a tendency to look above and beyond what anything else looks like on a nintendo console so absolutely yeah there's that going as well um yeah i can see this being the new base model of nintendo switches moving forward i think that's kind of the game here it's not necessarily the switch 2 that people were hoping for but I, I also feel like if this was what the Nintendo Switch was years ago when it was first announced, I think we would be seeing a much different ballgame right now. Uh, I'm interested to see what games look like on the screen itself. Again, the biggest thing that I would like is just more confirmation on the battery or at least just a better battery in general. But this is still a console that people are going to buy. It's going to be sold out all over the place. It's going to be hard to find this holiday season no matter what. And as you said, Nintendo plays by their own rules and they have a right to do so because they've just been, I would almost say, a model of consistency for as long as they've been in the video game industry. Just always doing this is what we feel is necessary. This is what we feel like it's going to do. Oh, by the way, you're going to spend all of your hard earned dollars on it, no matter what, because that's who we are. Right. And I mean, I think it's worth noting that they have well over 84 million units uh, they hit 84 million in like March of this year. So it's selling really well. And maybe they planned on having a a new Switch Pro this year, but there's no need to based on, uh, I would say, the strains from COVID 
you know, there's a, a lot of productivity issues. There's uh, shipping issues, uh, things of that nature. And it might just be better to continue pumping out this version for a little bit longer in the grand scheme of things, only because of resources being limited, whether that be containers or parts or what have you. It might just make more fiscal sense to continue rocking this version than trying to re release a newer version. I mean, we we still don't see Xbox Series X's in stores. We don't see PS5's in stores. Uh, if they were to make and announce a new version of the Switch, we also wouldn't see that in stores and people would be upset and like, well, I can't get it. Where's it at? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, maybe they had plans to to do a Switch 2 or Switch Pro and and it just doesn't make sense right now. I mean, why 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 change things up when they're already approaching 100 million units? People are still buying them constantly. I can go to Target and almost every time I'm there, someone's buying a Switch. Um, it's just a very popular console and there's really no need at this point. Can you imagine if this console was announced like last March when, you know, the stay at home orders were taken in place? Can you imagine what the sales would have been like at that point? Yeah, it would have been absurd and you would never be able to get one. It would be, <laughs> the, it would be the, the, the biggest selling device that you can't get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, so it's like, who's buying these things? I can't even find them anywhere. Uh, Nobody so has funny. one, and yet everyone has one. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I could totally see that happening. So uh, I would rather just wait until the world's a little bit more back to normal. Containers aren't aren't a problem. You know, there's, there's no traffic at ports or anything like that. It's just a, a smoother process. It comes out, I can stroll to Target and get one, and that'd be the end of the the end of the problem. So um, again, I, I do think that this is cool that they, that they are expanding on their technology a little bit, but uh, this isn't for me. I don't need it. If I didn't have a switch already, I would say, okay, maybe I need to get it now just because I, again, I think this is a great entry point having currently owned one and enjoying the time that I spend with it. Not an upgrade that I need to invest in right now. Right. 100%. I am with you. But I do like the all white design, except I don't like the the controller like port, if you will. It's still like that kind of dark gray black color, which I don't know. I like things to be uniform. Sure. My only concern with white is it's a handheld and hands are so <laughs> goddamn dirty. dirty. Hands. Yeah. It's just so oily and it's just going to look bad after a while. I have to take one of those Mr. Clean Magic Erasers to the back of my PS5 controller every other month because that thing just gets grimed down like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I can imagine. I saw like uh, the Animal Crossing ones, they kind of have like that Easter pastel color and uh, mine aren't dirty per se. And I've definitely been playing my Switch a lot more than I ever have in any previous year. Um, but... Uh, I can see like a little bit of dimming on it. So like I, I do like the alcohol wipe stuff, you know, and just kind of wipe it down. But I, I just when I, as soon as I saw the white, I was like, that looks really cool. But I could never touch it. It would just have to be in a glass case forever and all eternity. Right. Yeah. Hands is too oily. It don't work. But um, yeah, I mean, it, on the plus side, you could just play your Nintendo exclusives on your switch and then just get a steam deck and then play whatever the hell you want on a handheld device, which would be yeah. pretty awesome. Then you don't have to worry about any sort of hardware restrictions as it were. <laughs> um, you know, we were just, I feel like the last podcast we recorded, we were talking about weird handheld PC 
devices and, and how to play on your phone and, and getting the right controller. And then just a couple days later, we see this Steam Deck pop up. It's so weird how that was a thing. It's like we knew, but we really didn't. <laughs> I know. I was like, weren't we just talking about this shit the other day when I saw pictures of it? Uh, it kind of blew me away. But uh, yeah, so Valve is, is releasing a handheld console. It's a Steam Deck and it will begin shipping in December of 2021. And that is for sort of the the initial like uh, the lower end version of the console. There are currently three versions available to pre-order. Uh, there's a $400 version, which has um, 64 gigabytes of memory. It comes with a carrying case and that comes in, in December of 2021, assuming all goes well. Then you have the, the middle of the road, uh, which is uh, $529 and that's coming in Q2 of 2022. Uh, that has 256 gigabytes. Uh, it's faster storage. Uh, carrying case and an exclusive Steam community profile bundle. So the whole world knows that you are uh, rocking in the free world with your awesome handheld Steam Deck. And then there is the super mega version, which is uh, nearly $650. And that is expected in uh, Q3 of 2022. So uh, basically like a year from now almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which uh, has the fastest storage at, at 512 gigabytes. It's got a premium anti-glare etched glass. An exclusive carrying case again the 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 exclusive steam community profile bundle and an exclusive virtual keyboard theme which is very exciting but valve has partnered with amd to create steam decks custom apu optimized for handheld gaming it is a zen 2 plus rdna 2 powerhouse delivering more than enough performance to run the latest AAA games in a very efficient power envelope once you've logged into your Steam Deck, your entire Steam library shows up just like any other PC. You'll be able to find your collections and favorites exactly where you left them, which is incredible, by the way. The Steam Deck was built for extended play sessions, whether you're using the thumbsticks or trackpads. With full-size controls positioned perfectly within your reach, the rear of the device is sculpted to comfortably fit a wide range of hand sizes, which is interesting because when I first looked at the photo, I thought my hands were going to just like cramp up and fall off because I didn't like the shape of it per se. <laughs> I thought, especially at the top, it's very square. And I didn't think that that would work. But uh, apparently, people, uh, various, you know, game journalist outlets have had hands on experiences up in Seattle and they're playing it and they love it. So um, that's encouraging. Uh, it does have a seven inch screen that is a 720p native resolution. It does get two to eight hours of battery life, depending on what you're doing or playing. Uh, that does sound like a pretty big spread, two to eight hours. But just remember, whenever you're using your computer, sometimes you hear fans kick on and it starts to make noises like a jet is taking off in your living room. And that's one of those times when it's it's going to be using a little bit more power. <laughs> so I would imagine the battery life would be more in the two hour range versus just playing, like you said earlier, a game of Tetris. It's not going to exhaust it too much. So there's that to consider. Uh, the Steam OS 3.0 is a new version of a Steam based um, OS. Uh, that's it's on uh, the Arch Linux, which with the assistance of Proton, which is a compatibility layer that allows Windows games to be run on Linux by using a modified version of Wine and a collection of high-performance graphics API implementations. So basically, you're not going to need any sort of weird um, hardware or software adjustments to play any game. Any, anything that would work out of the box 
for Windows. It's going to uh, work. Is going to work on your Steam Deck. Yes. Uh, and keep in mind, it is a PC, so you can pretty much do anything that you could on your PC, including web browsing or even going to the Epic Game Store, which is awesome, uh, especially since they give out free games all the goddamn time. Uh, speaking of docs, uh, the Steam Deck can be docked. The USB-C port can be expanded with a hub or a dock into HDMI and uh, USB while still retaining power, so it'll still get charged and act as a pass-through. Uh, no word on price or release date from Valve on their official dock. However, uh, any USB-C dock should work. It does have Wi-Fi capabilities for online play and a built-in mic for all your uh, multiplayer needs. So there you have it, the Steam Deck. This is perfect for all you folks that aren't sold quite on Nintendo, or maybe you just want to use your Switch for Nintendo exclusives like your Zeldas and your Marios, but then play every other goddamn game on your Steam Deck. What do you say, uh, Stephen? Are you are you on board with the Steam Deck? Is this, is this for you since you are a handheld gamer? Yeah, it's really interesting because. Valve has a really interesting history of trying to do some type of foray into the console game. And I want to say most of them fall pretty flat. This is the the steam machine. Was that the other one? The steam machine, which was literally just a PC that they threw their logo on and said, just go buy a PC. I mean, that's all it was at that point, but they've had so many different things. They've had the, the controller that came out a little while, you know, a couple of years ago, I feel like, at this point, this is honestly the first device that I've seen from Valve that kind of has me hopeful that this is going to be a game changer. I mean, it essentially looks like a fan mock-up of a Nintendo Switch, but with more buttons, triggers, and, you know, Valve's logo mm-hmm. on it. And trackpad. And trackpad. Yeah, dual trackpads, too. And you said it best. If you're a big fan of the Nintendo Switch, you like the idea of the console, you're using that console for pretty much everything... I don't see why those people wouldn't be intrigued by this. Um, As far as the versions that you're getting, I feel like the $400 64 gigabyte version is, I don't know. I don't feel like that's the right starting point (laughs) right there. Cause I got game. I got one game that's uh, 90 gigabytes and call of duty is up to what? 200 gigabytes right now. So it's so much space. Yeah. good, (laughs) Good luck trying to play that on this thing. But, I guess the counter argument to myself would be that this is more designed to play some of the smaller, maybe the more indie games on the go. As someone who plays Destiny on a regular basis, that game is inflated up to 60, 70 gigabytes. I don't want to necessarily just be, make that the only thing that's installed on my Steam Deck. Uh, to answer your question originally, I think this looks great. I am super on board with this. This looks like a lot of fun. I am intrigued that it's only 720p or at least natively 720p because that was one of the biggest docs people had on the Nintendo Switch was this that it was not a 4K device in a world where we have 4K screens in our pockets, right. essentially. So I do find that to be interesting that no one's really bringing that up as a major issue, as it were. I think because of the success of the Switch, I think you can get away with it, especially with the smaller screen. The resolution helps with it, you know, like so. I sure. mean, you could play any indie game and it'll look awesome on a 720p screen. 
Um, you know, like it's, it's usually, it's not, uh, it, this console boasts that it could play the latest AAA games. And remember when Witcher was a thing on going on switch and everyone's like, Oh my God, it's going to look so gross. True. It, it doesn't look as beautiful as it would on your Xbox or PC or PlayStation, but it is playable. Um, it is something you can do on the go and that's very much how this will work, but it'll run a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like this is your switch pro. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. basically what it is. <laughs> and I mean, you look at uh, PC games, you know, when Steam has a sale in a game that let's say it was like, uh, I can't even think like Hotline Miami, right? Perfect example. That's a game that you could buy for for three bucks when it's on sale on Steam. But if you were to buy it on Switch, like I just did, I paid $30 for it. And it's like, why would I pay $30 for a game on Switch when I could easily just have it on my PC for, for three bucks? And now I can, and Hotline Miami is a perfect game to play on a handheld, and which is why I got it. And I had it on Vita, and I played the shit out of it. I played it on PS4, I played it on Xbox, played it on my PC. I just love it so much, and now I have another way of doing that. But it, had I had a Steam Deck, I would just sit there and play it on my on my on my Steam Deck because it's in my Steam library, and that's amazing. And it, it'll look gorgeous, it'll look fun and festive, and that's awesome. But Nintendo never has sales ever on games and when they do it's it's almost like an insult it's not even that much of savings and steam always has killer deals so now being able to play any of these games on my handheld is pretty awesome and the other thing too is so the official dock that valve is talking about we don't really have much information other than we're assuming it's going to work the exact same way as the nintendo switch dock you plug it in you can plug it into your tv you know at this point for Six hundred and fifty dollars. You're kind of introducing the world to a really awesome entry level gaming PC that also can be taken on the go. So depending on the price of the actual dock when that comes out, and I, you know, you did mention as well that in theory any USB C dock should work when the time comes. But I think that's another huge game changer right there is the fact that if I don't want to spend, I think I spent twelve hundred dollars of my stimulus money building this new PC that I'm recording recording on right now and obviously that was a huge chunk but i enjoyed it and i loved it 650 dollars is a hell of a lot cheaper than 1200 dollars. right no 100 and there is a picture of like a mock-up of a of a steam dock or a, i'm sorry uh what is it called a steam deck dock and um it has like a headphone port it's got display ports got hdmi port USB-C port uh looks like a lan port and like three usb Mm -hmm. uh ports uh so i mean if you do get a docking station that's not this one those are a couple things to consider that you want to have on it if you're going to be hooking up to a you know a cool monitor or anything like that yeah and i wonder if this would mean that in theory maybe plugging into the dock you could get a 1080p or even a 4k signal out of the device yeah i I think it would work as a as an upres uh situation yeah, well, the more and more we're talking about this, the more and more I am sold on it. But if you're one of the lucky people to reserve it for, what was it, a $5 reservation fee that yeah. crashed the internet? Yep. <laughs> That's all it was. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing that concerns me, Stephen, is that uh, a year from now, basically, Q3 of 2022, I'm just curious how far we're going to be from another upgrade when it comes time. You know, $650 for... Uh, a Q, a, let's, I don't know when their fiscal year is, but let's just pretend that Q3 is going to be October, November, December for funsies. Or Q3 would be, I'm sorry, uh, what is that? 
uh, July, August, September, I guess is what it Summer would be. months, basically. Yeah. July, July, August, September would be Q3. Um, you know, that's literally a year from now. Um, I'm just curious how well this device would be um, received one year from now. As amazing as all of this is, that was the other concern that I had. I'm not dying to get any type of PC gaming device, nor am I dying to really play my PC games on the go. However, when version two of this device is announced and comes out, I can see that as being something that I would definitely want to invest in. Just once they work out, I mean, people are going to buy it. People are going to love it. But that's the thing that you and I were talking about the other day, too, is when you buy something full price on day one, you're kind of paying for that exclusivity of I am one of the first people to own and experience this. I appreciate those people. I am going to wait until version two before I decide I'm moving my money for something right. like this. I wonder how long it's going to be for version two. I mean, the, the we were just talking about the switch. They're still on version one and that's four years old. Version 1.4 at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. And you know, uh, if you go, if you log into your steam account, there is a steam deck uh, section you can click on. It has all this cool image gallery and this rotating 360 degree thing. And there are so many buttons on this thing. It's kind of scary. Like even on the back it has uh, additional buttons like where you're there's like an R4 and an R5 and a, and an L4 and an L5 <laughs> where basically where your fingers would go. Um, you know, you usually your, your thumbs for the, the pads, the sticks, and then like the A, B, X, Y, whatever those are. Then you have your R1s and R2s and L1s and L2s at the very top. But then basically where your, your, uh, your last two fingers would go is uh, additional buttons. And I'm just curious how well that's going to work. You know, mapping out your controller. You know, so many times when you're playing a game on PC, you're, you can easily just sort of manipulate where your hands are going to go to press the, the corresponding buttons. And if you've done it enough, you get pretty good at it. But it just seems tricky. Like uh, if you're playing a game and you're getting stressed, you might accidentally press those buttons when you don't mean to. <laughs> I'm just curious how that's going to work. Everyone controllers had two buttons. Yep. Easy peasy. <laughs> Simple times. Yeah, I miss those days. Yeah, I wonder if the R4, the the four and five buttons on the back, basically. I mean, they're obviously this is an audio podcast, so it's hard to describe these things. But imagine holding just a traditional controller and where your, I would say, pinky and ring fingers are kind of residing. They're kind of in that area if you were holding a Nintendo Switch, let's say more specifically. But I wonder if that was added as kind of a nod to people just having these gaming PCs that have a full, you know, keyboard on them where there's 15 different buttons on it as is. So maybe it was just a way to kind of make the transition from mouse and keyboard to this a little bit easier. Yeah. I couldn't remember ring finger or pinky. Those those two words were escaping my <laughs> <threw you brain>. off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like your last two fingers. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's gonna be tricky. And I I do appreciate that the A and B are in the same position as the Xbox controller versus the flip-flop on the Switch Pro controller. That shit drives me crazy with the yeah. B&A placements. And Can X we just one. normalize that at this point? Can everyone just get together and decide on what works? <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, it's a chore, man. <laughs> Stresses me out. I know. Um, I know Sony's got, you know, their shapes and it's a little bit different, but can we just get on the same page? Yeah. That's, uh, that's no good. Especially when like it, one serves as a confirmation button and the other serves as a back button. Uh, mm-hmm. It it complicates things when you 
on the same day when you're playing a, a Nintendo console and an Xbox console. That's good. Either way, uh, I know a lot of people are excited for this. It kind of caught me off guard. I had no idea this was a thing. And uh, I'm excited that everyone is excited. Yeah, like I said, I'm uh, the only skepticism I have is that Valve is trying to do some type of console releases in the past. And again, they're not as cut and dry as that. I mean, th- to me, this is a new type of console that we're seeing a mobile PC, essentially. And I know they've done some different variations of it in the past. So that part does concern me a little bit. However, I mean, you and I at work heard five different people mention that they had pre-ordered the steam deck while we were just on the floor for a couple of hours. So people seem way, way more excited for this than I initially thought, which is great. Uh, Again, if I had to pick one, I would definitely go for the $650 version just because a half a terabyte of hard drive space seems a lot more um, fashionable than 64 gigabytes. Right. And it it is basically, um, what do you call it? Like a solid state drive kind of technology. So, I mean, it's going to move fast. It's going to move and groove, which is great. Um, And it is not as of this moment, uh, you are not really able to upgrade the hardware. The only thing you can do is add uh, an SD uh, storage card into the device. So basically external storage here. Yes. Which is awesome. I'm sure there'll be some awesome person with, you know, a pair of goggles and a blowtorch that's able to modify it and take stuff out. <laughs> but it's all small, form-fitting, custom-made, uh, you know, hardware. So um, I'm sure it'll be a little bit trickier for your average consumer. Yeah, and the the device itself has a USB-C uh, plug-in option. The dock that we were talking about, the mock-up, has a USB-C on it as well. So that's another good sign is, in theory, you could plug in a USB-C hard drive into this and get some really amazing speeds, even if you are running off an external for any reason. Yeah. I'm curious how that works out. Yeah. But time will tell. It is, it is fun. I encourage everyone to go to steamdeck.com and, and just kind of check it out. Uh, see what's going on. There's, there's been a billion different articles written up already on everything that you want to know about it. So just educate yourself. If you're able to put in your $5 deposit still, then by all means go for it um, and check it out and best of luck. Hope you, you enjoy. Want, you want to reserve one for me? I wouldn't be much appreciated of that. I will not yeah. pay you back. <laughs> yeah. Consider it a gift. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can well, claim it on your taxes. You gifted Steven six hundred. Yeah, there you go. Tax breaks. Everyone loves them. Uh, well, this is great because, uh, you know, Psychonauts 2 is coming out and you could potentially play that game on your brand new Steam Deck, including the latest feature announced from Double Fine Studios, the invincibility mode, which will make the game more inclusive to all kinds of players. Uh, Some may argue this takes the challenge out of playing a game, but Double Fine has refuted and doubled down, reminding everyone that providing more options has no impact on those who choose not to use them which is a very admirable and refreshing message for the gaming world as a whole. Uh, I really like this invincibility toggle. I think it's a great idea. I know some people just get turned away from certain video games because, oh, it's too difficult or it's too complicated. I don't want to deal with this. Uh, But I really love the messaging that Double Fine is going with it. There's a series of tweets that they posted on their account, essentially saying, hey, if you beat Psychonauts 2 with the invincibility toggle on, you still beat the game. 
Uh, they even tried to mock some of the gatekeeping people saying, uh, excuse me, I beat sword guy serious time on a no hit hard mode. And if I didn't do that, I don't respect you. And like, can you even comment on things if you're not diamond six rank in shooting McBlam? I don't think so. Cool, bud. And then finally saying all people should be able to enjoy games, all ages, all possible needs. It's an ongoing and important process for our industry and a challenge we need to meet. At the end of the day, we want you to have fun, to laugh, to experience a story that affects you on whatever terms you want. So I guess um, this is all great and stuff, but I really want to ask, why are people so terrible and have a problem with games being easy in any capacity? I don't know, man. Gatekeepers are the worst. Surely. I don't get it. I mean, I a lot of times I'll play a game on the easiest mode just so I can play through the story. If it's like a narrative driven story and I just want to experience this story, then I have no problems with switching over to easy mode. I beat fucking Dark Souls, man. <laughs> I can play whatever I want. I've been there. <laughs> I, I have seen the top of the mountain, so fuck it. Uh, it's like if I if I were to summit Everest and all of a sudden uh, you've seen those photos of where uh, there's a long line to get to the very top of Everest and it's like and maybe another 10 feet as far as height goes. I'd be like, fuck it, man. I made it to the top. I'm not waiting in that line. I'll see you guys back at camp. You know, like I did it. That's how I look at it. And so um, if you if it's a game like this where there's a a story and you want to experience the story, then you 100 percent beat the game. Once you see those credits, then fuck it. You've you've beaten it. It's the same as like (laughs) people that do like the speed running that just clip right through and just beat the game without even really doing anything. They still beat the game. Right. So to me, there's no difference. Yeah, one of my favorite additions to video games in the last eh, 10 plus years or so, uh, my first iteration of it was with Mass Effect 3 when they basically said, all right, do you want to focus more on the story? Do you want to focus more on the action? Do you really hate yourself? What's your mental state going into this game? And depending on the options you chose, it affected the difficulty. So the story based mode is the game is essentially very easy to play, knowing that you just want to focus on the story aspects of it or if you're more combat heavy you're going in you're locked and loaded all right we'll ramp up the difficulty for it that was one of my favorite things because instead of easy medium hard it was more of how do you want to experience this game what's important to you this that or one of these and i adore and appreciate any game that does that i have zero issue with them coming out saying hey there's an invincibility toggle do with it what you will Because all the people that are complaining about it are the people that are not going to use it whatsoever. So it just becomes one of those things where I don't understand why you're angry. Uh, Even Final Fantasy IX on Game Pass, if you if there's a pause in game and then there's like a additional pause button, if that makes any sense. But the additional pause, um, you can actually just quickly heal your entire party. There was some type of like invincibility mode that you can turn on just to play the game. And I thought, Hey, that's cool because these games are not for everybody, but final fantasy has some amazing story. They have some amazing artwork and, you know, really memorable characters. So what a great way to get more people interested in your product. Right. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, just because the option is there, doesn't mean you have to use it. It, uh, It doesn't stop you from enjoying the game. So eat a dick. It's the equivalent of like some pseudo amateur rec softball guy just saying, well, I played baseball my entire life. I can hit a 90 mile an hour fastball. I can do this. I can do that. 
and then there's a kid right next to him. That's cool. I'm still learning how to hit off this T. So what's the problem? Right. You do you. I'm going to do me. Yep. People don't get it, man. We get so sensitive about video games. It's something that you're passionate about, I guess. But um, there's no need to be. It's, it's more of a call for celebration than to criticize. Mm-hmm. People are crazy. Oh, well, I applaud Double Fine. I think that's fantastic. Exactly. And yeah. I'm going to play as Invincible just just because I can. <laughs> and then when you beat it, post all your stats like, look at me, I'm the greatest. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's just like with Doom. Do you remember like the, the IDQD or whatever the password IDKFA was one for like ultimate weapon, like all the weapons mm-hmm. and ammo and stuff. It's like, dude, I mean, I did that in like whatever, 93, 94. And I had no problems whatsoever. I was like, oh, my God, now nothing can kill me. This is amazing. I'm going to play this game and enjoy the shit out of it. Considering the people that are complaining about this in-game invincibility mode also grew up with things like Game Shark and other devices, Game Genie. I don't understand where the argument is coming from, because we literally could go to any GameStop or Best Buy or Target or Toys R Us. And like, this is a device for $30 that I can plug into my console that literally helps me cheat and beat the game. I have no shame. I bought a Game Shark for the PS1 back in the day, and I used it on a number of games because you know what? It made it that much more fun when I was able to experience the full capacity of the game and not just, oh, man, I really hate this because I am not great at this game. Right. I mean, before you had to enter codes. Now you just toggle a switch. What's the difference? <laughs> right. One's just easier for crying out loud. It's like uh, Grand Theft Auto. They always have fun cheat codes, too. And it's it's just to experience the game in a different way. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to use them? Fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah. Get maximum ammo. Get maximum everything. Go crazy. Don't want to use it? Good for you. Yeah. And it's like achievements, right? Like uh, they use a lot of times when you enact some sort of modification to the game, the achievements are no longer active. I'm okay with that. I don't need an achievement telling me that I beat Skyrim uh, because... You know, that that makes me a better person. I know that I played the game the way I wanted to because I was able to add on different, you know, mods and it made the game that much more of a better experience for me. And not having an achievement for it is not going to make me feel like any less of a gamer. I think it would have been hilarious if in those games where you do use cheat codes and it's like, oh, hey, so if you use this, you're going to not get achievements or whatever. It'd be hilarious if they just put a giant asterisk in place of that game's like trophy or yeah. achievement list. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Congratulations. Like you, you beat Psychonauts 2 on invincibility mode. Try, <laughs> try again next time, you know, turn it off. That would be amazing. If one of the achievements slash trophies was to beat the game in invincibility mode. And that was the only way it, to do that. That was the only way to get the platinum or like the right. full achievement list. <laughs> that is amazing. There you go. That way they all had to do it. Uh, We'll see who the real hypocrites are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all for it, man. Support it. 110%. Yep. Easy peasy. Well, there you go. Psychonauts 2. And uh, moving on, our buddies over at Ubisoft are announcing a new game in the Tom Clancy universe. Just tune in tomorrow. Uh, That would be Monday, the 19th of July at 11 a.m. Pacific. Since we're over here on the West Coast, I don't care about anybody else. Um, There will be a worldwide reveal for a brand new game in this Tom Clancy universe. And uh, Ubisoft did tweet about it. And they're like, hey, tune in, check it out. Uh, This game could potentially be a new multiplayer PvP titled Codename Battle Cat, which leaked on social media 
last month. According to the leaked marketing documents, Battlecat combines the Splinter Cell, Ghost Recon, Breakpoint, and Division games into a single Tom Clancy multiplayer title. Recent leaked images show Splinter Cell's Echelon as playable characters, as well as Breakpoint's Wolves and the Division's Cleaners and Outcasts. Each character class has its own unique ability, the images claim, such as Echelon's radar stealth and Wolves' additional armor, as well as an ultimate ability such as Outcast Divine Intervention, which stops nearby allies dying for a limited time. Ubisoft previously combined its Tom Clancy properties with the mobile game Elite Squad, a free-to-play RPG shooter released last year in which players assemble and upgrade heroes and villains from Splinter Cell, Ghost Recon, and more. So there you have it. I know everyone's clamoring for uh, a new Splinter Cell game, but you might just have to wait a little bit longer. (laughs) Sam Fisher is busy at the moment. Yeah, you might have to settle for Sam Fisher inside another game. So I guess (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's too bad. But uh, that's that's a lot of deeds. Maybe it is uh, this Battle Cat, but um, I don't really care, man. Ubisoft's kind of they're 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 like Nintendo. They're making their own rules, and and I'm okay with it. I like these games games as a service. I like how it's an ever evolving ecosystem that I can come and go as I please, uh, and I don't have to keep buying sequels to games. I can just jump on in and play for a little while, and then take a break and come back later. I mean, as much as I love the the single player experience, I will always play through an entire campaign of any Ubisoft game if one exists. Um, I do think that this multiplayer component is kind of fun. Uh, when you have a group of friends to play with by yourself, not so much, but when you have, you know, four or five folks that you can just talk with on discord and play video games, then uh, that's always a good time. Yeah. And we haven't talked about this announcement, but Ubisoft also mentioned that they're doing Assassin's Creed infinity, which is supposed to be Fortnite Assassin's Creed style. And Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be the end all be all type of thing. And God, I am so confused by what this game is trying to be that I I don't know anymore. Like I am I still want to go back to the original days of Assassin's Creed where it was just a single player game and there was no online component. Like I want more of Black Flag. I want more of Assassin's Creed 2. I want those installments to continue to have a future uh valhalla i played a good maybe 20 to 40 hours and it's not enough (laughs) yeah it really isn't not even close um but i enjoyed i enjoyed components of it i just felt like i was not there were other games that were really attracting my attention at the time but holy crap (laughs) i I think we let's just pretend for a second that this ubisoft uh, assassin's creed multiplayer experience that they are generating is a thing um and it has uh whatever factions or groups or maybe it's just a giant uh free-for-all or battle royale either way the the revenue potential for microtransactions is off the charts so the idea of spending a couple of million dollars to make this game and whether i mean that could be whatever 50 million dollars 100 million dollars whatever it takes to make a video game these days uh it doesn't matter because everyone's going to be throwing money at their computer monitors to get the different skins and the different weapons and the the potential for the the microtransactions is is so just off the charts that it just makes uh you know good business. Yeah, they, will, they, will, they will recoup so much. 
Definitely. And I was going to say with Rainbow Six uh, Siege is kind of a decent template, I feel like, because if this game gets released and, oh, you can play as here are six assassins that you can start off as you pick a base character and you customize them from there. Oh, uh, the next DLC, you're going to be able to play as Edward Kenway from Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And you and I both clamor over that game and love it so much. Like, okay, I will gladly drop $20 so I can play as a salty sea pirate who swears all the time. DLC pack number two. Oh, hey, here's uh, Ezio from Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. You know what? One of my favorite versions, one of my favorite games in the Assassin's Creed franchise. So, yeah, I will pony up $20 so I can play as this specific version of a character there definitely is a i mean obviously there's a lot of history with the assassin's creed franchise i don't know that anybody was necessarily asking for anything like this especially because my experience with assassin's creed and online is uh, abysmal to say the least so i'm very much intrigued at how this is going to pan out yeah, um, 100%. I mean, I love the single player experience in Assassin's Creed. And I do, you know, you mentioned Black Flag, and that's a game that I can beat on the weekend. I can start on a Friday and have it done by Sunday. And I love that. When I had to do Odyssey, not Odyssey, Valhalla, and it was just a 60 hour journey, <laughs> I was literally pulling my hair out. Was just one. <laughs> it was just too goddamn long. I'm glad that I beat it, and I will never, ever play it again but i'm glad that i went through it i just wish it was a 20 hour game with 100 hours of extra stuff that i didn't have to do if i didn't want to uh it got to just be so monotonous of going to this territory someone's in trouble i have to save them i have to overthrow some king in that territory and or or get somebody married or whatever the case was uh, it was just literally the same goddamn thing over and over and over again. And the raids were cool the first couple of times, but after a while, it got a little old. Whereas with the life on the high seas, I thought that the the pirate ship battles was one of the coolest aspects of the game. Whereas the raiding was more of an inconvenience for me just because I needed materials is the only reason I was doing it. Whereas I, I thoroughly enjoyed the ship to ship battles and being a buccaneer and swinging onto their ship and taking down their leader and, and getting a new vessel or maybe just blowing it up, whatever I felt like doing. Um, I thought that was so much fun and a nice uh, break from the narrative that I, I actively sought out other ships to destroy. <laughs> Whereas I did not actively seek out raids in Valhalla. It was more of an inconvenience than anything else. Imagine if Assassin's Creed Infinity becomes something more like uh, Fortnite or Call of Duty Warzone, where you create your own assassin. You're in this giant map inspired by an Assassin's Creed franchise, and you just need to take out all the other players. But if I don't know if you've ever played the Assassin's Creed multiplayer back in the day, I think in Brotherhood. I did Brotherhood, yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, if they did something like that and just expanded it to be something more like a Fortnite, more like a Call of Duty Warzone situation. I can see a reasoning for that. Um, it's just what I've been kind of reading is not quite to that letter. And that's the part that concerns me a little bit. But either way, I mean, we're literally in the early, early stages. Ubisoft has even said like, yeah, we barely just came up with a name and that's about it right. as far as what they have. So we have plenty of time to speculate and think about it. And like, I would totally be cool if let's say there's 10 people in the arena and and one is it right 
and you have to hide from the other nine players or something and you can see them you know through your eagle vision or whatever but they can't see you uh, and you are trying to systematically separate them and murder them uh you know to win the the round i think that'd be kind of cool be the world's uh most intense game of hide and go seek exactly you know and and you see them like like predator vision you know you have your they'll show up as red targets you know on your screen excuse me but if you are a good assassin and you're able to hide then you know they shouldn't be able to see you like i don't want you to have any sort of trace maybe like some footsteps might be kind of cool like you're able to see like where they were yeah but you would never actually see them you would just see footsteps I think that'd be kind of cool. Like if you're a tracker of sorts. It'd be kind of fun if it was like a one V, I don't know, let's say one V 19 or it's a 20 person lobby and very similar to what you're describing. But when you assassinate another player, they then become a member of your team and it just becomes a, uh, this, you know, battle of attrition of how long can I survive and not become this like, you know, like a zombie mode, basically mm-hmm. or infected mode. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'd play that. Yeah. So like we said, it's got a long ways to go. Assassin's Creed Affinity. Um, Ubisoft literally has just said that they are in the very, 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 very early stages of development. Some people are speculating that we won't see anything or hear anything major until next holiday season. So a whole nother year from now. And you know, you and I, Justin, have always been on the mindset of don't show or release a game until it's absolutely ready to be shown and or release. So uh, Ubisoft can definitely take their time with this one. But in the meantime, I would love to go back to just traditional Assassin's Creed games. 30 yeah. hour max story and side quests. Not this, you know, lifetime slog. Ugh, yeah, it's it's too much. Can't do it. I, I, I'm not interested in the 60 hour campaign. I'm, I'm totally cool with the 60 hour completionist, but I do not want a 60 hour campaign mm-hmm. pass. Not for me. I think that breath of the wild was teetering on that for me. I was ready to be done with that game a little bit sooner than when I finished, uh, <laughs> maybe like about like five or six hours. Uh, Red dead two. That was another one that was just a little bit too long. For my taste, I was just like, fuck, I, I like this game, but I would have loved it if it was about 10 hours shorter. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, well, it didn't help that the epilogue was another 15 hours forever. unnecessarily. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Cut out the chapter on the island and, and make that uh, epilogue of maybe a 40 minute journey for funsies, but a five minute video montage, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that was long. Holy shit, dude. I was at my wits end with that game. That that was a that was a big ask. <laughs> that epilogue. I was like, really? I, I already played this game before. I don't I don't need it again. Oh geez. That is that is a an interesting problem to have because Last of Us 2 for you was was pretty much perfect. Um, you know, that was like that 20 something hour game. And that's that's decent. That's doable. That's a that's a long weekend or or part of a vacation, you know? Yeah, and it felt longer. And I think that was just because I spent most of the game crawling around and, you know, walking as slow as I possibly could to not um, raise suspicion from humans and monsters alike. But, yeah, it was a 
it was a long 25, 20, 25 hours and not long as in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh my God, get on with it. But just, it felt like I played it a lot longer than those hours indicated. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, first time I beat Dark Souls, it was like 60 hours. And then the second time I beat it, it was like 11 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of all the extra deaths and I don't know where to go and what do I do and all these things. Uh, so that definitely had an impact on on how long it took me to play it. But yeah, it's crazy how that works. Yeah, my first, I'm sorry, my first playthrough, I have it right here. 57 hours and three minutes. My second playthrough, 11 hours and 43 minutes. Now I can do it under five, uh, no matter what. But it was, that's quite a difference in a journey. <laughs> that's definitely some improvement. Yeah. So, well, cool, man. Uh, anything else to add? No, I think that's some fun stuff to talk about. New consoles. Hopefully you, uh, you get them if you can. Yes, I, I encourage you to check it out. Go to steamdeck.com and get uh, all the deets that we went over and probably more. I'm sure we skipped out on a couple of things. <laughs> Felt like a, a bit of an info dump, but it's uh, definitely something you want to check out before you invest in it. Again, just a $5 deposit. And then you said the Switch, uh, OLED, oh, uh, what is it? The OLED edition comes out October 8th. Correct. So just in time for the holidays. Save up your, your $350. Easy peasy. And then tune in tomorrow, Monday, July 19th for the Ubisoft announcement, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, that about does it. Thank you for listening to another fun and festive episode of the Pixelated Podcast. Remember to check out the other podcasts that we have. Of course, there is the Geek Legacy Podcast. There is the freaking Escape Pod Podcast. And don't be crazy. Don't be crazy is uh, doing a deep dive into the Godfather trilogy. It's been a lot of fun. And I encourage you to check it out. Uh, Godfather is streaming on Peacock, so if you have it, watch it. If you don't, do the seven-day subscription thing and get it for free. <laughs> Easy peasy. Uh, in the meantime, you keep rock and rolling. Be sure to follow at Stephen K. Janes on the Twitter, at Edgy Armo for me. If you like elephants and animals and all sorts of fun and festive tweets, then these two people are the ones to follow. Easy peasy. Steve is mostly complaining about the angels and how they lose all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I tweet about elephants. Well, there you have it. Uh, Remember to stay safe, get your shots, and uh, you keep rock and rolling, baby. Thank you so much.